Hello, and welcome to another episode of State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Stanzial. Chris, I got some news for you. What, what would that be, Eugene? Got a lot of good news for you, actually. Okay. What? Well, first off, you know, last week I got some questions from people like, oh, why weren't you talking about the rankings? Or, you know, what happened to all the rankings update? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, going into last week, we got booted from the top 75. We were still top 100, but as we've talked about before, we're not going to change the rules of the game midway through just because it doesn't suit us. Right. You know, we're not going to lower the bar. We're, we're <laughs> not going to say like, oh, our top 100 streak's still going and, and kind of pretend that we brushed to the side that we weren't top 75. Right. We're still trying to remain elite. Exactly. And after that week, we come into this week, Chris, on this bright Tuesday morning, back on Podomatic's top 75. We've been there now for 18 of the last 20 weeks. 18 out of 20. Hmm. That's, uh, that sounds a lot like uh, Villanova's free throws. <laughs> yes. It also sounds like the grades I used to get on my quizzes, 90%. Oh, oh yes. Well, yeah, you okay. at least. Yeah. Okay, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's, a, that's, a, that's actually ourselves. It wasn't all the time. <laughs> Maybe for the cupcake classes. Maybe for the cupcake classes. Yeah, the freshman year cupcakes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll give you that. <laughs> Not so much uh, junior, senior. Senior year, did I even go to class? Did I second semester even go to class? Uh, great question. I think you were uh, just filming State of the Nova Nation for straight four months. I would love to see the statistics on attendance for second semester seniors and to see if there are actually any second semester seniors that actually go to every single class because they deserve an award. I'm not going to toot my own horn here. But I actually did. I missed you didn't one- miss a class? I missed one class voluntarily my entire four years. Wow. Shout I, out I, to you. I skipped one class intentionally. That was it. Like every other time was either like I had like a project I had to work on or something. Like, and it's actively say, yeah, I'm just not going to class. When, when was that? Freshman year, actually. Wow. Yeah. You got a good streak going. It was something I, I kept under wraps because I didn't want to seem like a total dweeb. <laughs> <laughs> but now, now that we're 11 months out or what is it? 10 months out? We're 10. Yeah. 10 months. Mm-hmm. This is like, oh. Everything's on wax now. Yeah, everything's coming out. It, it doesn't matter anymore. We're we're long past it. We've hit double digits of graduation now. Don't remind me. <sighs> but we've also this past weekend we got to celebrate the eleventh month anniversary of a game that happened on April fourth. Nothing, you know, it was just a game. I know. See, I'm happy. Like every every like fourth of the of a corresponding month, like you know, it's the anniversary, and you know that's great. That's great. But then you realize it's just a month farther away from what actually happened. And now with now it being March again, you realize the, the, the fun and games with that are, are kind of over. It, it's time to, you know, write a yeah. new story. We have at least one week. Yeah. Enjoy it. I'd say uh, even less. I'd say Thursday. Unless if, we, unless if they go all the way. Right. Right. I, I'd say until Thursday. When the Big East tournament starts, I think that's when we got to be like, okay, you know, 2016 was fun and all, but that was 2016. It is now 2017. Time to move on. Don't yeah. don't want to be like some I of the uh, 1985 alumni. That's going to be us. Let's be honest. That's going to be us. <sighs> I know. I know. But still. <laughs> but I know exactly what you mean. The alumni who just flex being there in 1985. Mm-hmm. My dad. Some of them were lucky to be there for both. Yeah. I don't know anyone personally, but I've, I've heard some stories. So we got the Big East tournament coming up, and 
the other good, the last bit of good news that I have is that we are going to have college basketball analyst and reporter. She's fresh off of her Big East trophy tour across all 10 campuses. Might have seen her on Fox Sports 1, Big East Digital Network. Kim Adams will be joining us to help us break down the Big East tournament. We're going to have a little chat. We're going to talk. We're going to make some predictions. We're going to ask some questions. It's going to be a good time. Well, That'll good. be later on in the show. It's going to be wonderful. Can't wait to pick her mind about the Big East. But before we get there, we got some other things to talk about. First of all, Chris, mm-hmm. he might not have won an island. <laughs> he might not have won a million dollars. But Tano Capasio turned a lot more heads than he did at the Senior Bowl this past weekend at the NFL Combine. What have you heard? What What is the buzz like? How are you feeling about this? I, I saw he was getting a little hyped up by the NFL over the yeah, weekend. Yeah, he was. He got two tweets, two separate tweets, one for his bench press and one for his 40 time. I didn't watch the combine at all this past weekend. I, I try to avoid it because I just don't like it. I don't understand the point of it. I feel like it's overhyped, but I do feel that some people do care about it and the scouts do. So obviously, if you're going to do well, you're going to get hyped up for it. So seeing the NFL absolutely promote every little bit of the combine, but they only promote like a few players here and there. Like if you like, you know, John Ross, he just broke the 40 time in combine history, ran like a four, two, two or something like that. So like only a few players are getting tweets. And then you see Tano getting two separate tweets for two of the biggest events there, the 40 and the bench press, and everyone is loving them. And you see the replies to these tweets. Like it's just a bunch of random fans from all different fan bases saying, we got to get this guy. He's going to help our pass rush, like all this type of stuff. And you're like, oh, this is great. And then I think even in the 40 time tweet, they actually threw in the Nova Twitter handle as well. So I'm like, oh, that's, that's cool too. Some exposure. Yeah, it's certainly awesome to see Villanova football, not basketball, right. not, you know, the other sports, but football get a lot of love and get a lot of hype. Tano Capasio ran his 40 in under five seconds, 4.83 seconds, and he also repped 225 pounds on the bench press 23 times. That's nuts. <laughs> you repped 225 on the bench. I haven't even attempted 225 my entire life. I've maxed out at like 204. 5 to 15 like somewhere in between there but yeah that was like when i was like heavier now that i've cut a lot of weight i can barely <laughs> i'm barely hitting 200 now <laughs> you you've touched 225 I, I have i have but that was way back with pre-injuries pre-injuries yeah. <laughs> free turning into glass yeah the most i ever repped it was five times Oof. but i'm sure if you asked me to rep 25 pounds even my arms would probably just rip right Oof. off Five times. That's that's pretty good, though. That's pretty good. That's like better than Kevin Durant at his combine. Oh yeah, I I, I know. <laughs> but forget. let's be honest. Anyone anyone who takes lifting semi seriously probably did better than than Kevin Durant. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> true. Combine. But yet he's making multi million dollars, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> and I have his backpack. All right. Oh oh yeah. Right. <laughs> I've, I've I've personally fed to the machine. Yes. <laughs> You got to think his draft stock is going to shoot up after this. I know it's just a combine, and it's basically the equivalent of – I know you hate it very much, but mm-hmm. the John Gruden camp oh, oh. against pool noodles, oh. dummies, on air. On that. That's worse than the actual combine. I know you're not a fan. I know no. you're not a fan. No, no, that's brutal. But in regards to his draft stock, I mean, you got to think it goes up. 
I mean, all these scouts like are in love with this combine stuff. And if someone can jump really high as a lineman, I don't know, they like all get hyped for it. So I think he solidified himself as a, at least a second day pick. So you're looking probably like third round, but he, I think he might be able to sneak into the late second. It depending, I don't and Obviously you got to factor in team's needs. Like he can be somewhere high on your board, but if you're not drafting best player available and you already have like a nice four, three defensive lineman, you might pass up on him and then he falls a little bit. And it's just, that's just the way it happens. That's the draft. But I, I think he'll get a lot of second round grades, but realistically, I think he's probably going to end up as like a third round pick, which honestly coming from this school, that's pretty impressive. I certainly think you're right in that he has perfectly solidified. He's at least a third round pick. Like yeah. if there was any questions going in before, like I know people were like, oh, maybe he's third, maybe he's fourth. He's definitely at least a third. Mm-hmm. If he jumps anywhere past the second day, I'd be surprised. I do think he could probably sneak into the second round, just like at the end, tail end. Yeah. He'll probably sneak in. Yeah. That's- it's kind of like the rise of Ali Marpet, dude. <laughs> Your boy? Yeah, total unknown going in. Gets lots of love at the Senior Bowl. Gets lots of love at the Combine. And now he's protecting Jameis Winston. Don't quote me on this, but I feel like he was the first. I remember, I think he was the first D3 player drafted. Ever? Or to go as um, high. He might be the highest drafted. D- okay, D3 that makes player. sense. That makes sense. But Tato, the draft's going to be in Philadelphia this year. Oh, true. He's definitely going to get his name called. See him like at home is like a giant party going on. That'd, that'd be pretty funny. Yeah, I'd rather see him at the new football facility. Yeah. He's in like one of the new meeting rooms with all his friends. Campco is catering. <laughs> John Campco is there personally. Gives him a handshake. And he says, whenever you want a fat cat, it's on the house. Right. <laughs> you got Tally there just like pounding back fat cats. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be wonderful. Yeah. Mar- Marfrante is laughing like an, a mad scientist, marveling at his accomplishment and what he helped create. It's like Dr. Franken with Frankenstein. It's, it's a lie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he just helped create this 6'7", 280-pound monster. 4% body fat. That'll be some sight. But we'll keep an eye out for that. We're definitely going to watch the draft. I mean, at least the first day, but we'll certainly be keeping an eye out for the second and third day for sure. Yeah. But he's yeah. definitely going to get his name called. I'd be surprised if he doesn't. Right. He'll definitely be drafted. It's just a matter of where at this point. If he goes to the Giants, I am buying his jersey. Yeah, you, you definitely should. A lot of teams want him. A lot of a lot of fan bases have been drooling over what he's achieved so far. So we're going to certainly keep an eye out for how he does in the draft, where he goes. We'll have Tata watch. <laughs> Hashtag Tata watch. In the meantime, this past weekend, we saw the regular season finale of Villanova men's basketball. And we saw the Wildcats potentially, personally, drive the dagger into the John Thompson three area over there at Georgetown, handing the Hoyas their fifth straight loss. And it wasn't close. It was not close at all, Chris. It was not pretty. There are a lot of Hoya alum who are definitely freaking out right now. Yeah, this game was at a blowout like we predicted, but it was like a, it was a type of blowout where Georgetown just gave up. And that's when you know that the coach has absolutely lost his grip with the team. It's it. He's done. He has to be done. There is no way you can keep John Tops in the third round anymore. And I'm saying this just as a concerned Big East fan. Georgetown should be one of the premier programs in this conference. And yet, ever since realignment, they've 
been middling like a mediocrity and John Thompson is not making it any better. He's made some terrible recruiting decisions other than 2007 or 2007 or 2008 when they made the final four. No one has ever praised John Thompson for like anything yet. Here we are. It is the year 2017, almost 10 years removed from the final four. He has to go. And if they're afraid to fire him because of his, what his father did for the program. And they think that he's going to like, like destroy the administration and bash the school for doing that. Then John Thompson, the second has to wake up and realize that his son just isn't that good of a coach. And I feel like he would be that type of guy to like say, yeah, you know what? He's bad. He wasn't that good of a coach. He didn't get the job done. You know, some, I had a lot of subpar years. It was the right, it was the right move, but you never know. And I feel like that's, what's holding Georgetown back from actually getting rid of this guy like two, three years ago, as opposed to now. If I'm a Georgetown alum, I'm very disappointed in the decline this program has taken in the last four years. Like you said, not only is this supposed to be one of the top programs in the conference, Georgetown's historic. It's supposed to be one of the top in the nation. They're about to suffer back-to-back losing seasons for the first time in decades. You just lost to your blood rival. Like, if that's not the, the exclamation point on this needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. I don't know what is. Villanova beat them down 81 to 55. And just like you said, it seemed like no one cared outside of Rodney Pryor. Mm-hmm. And that's just a showing of where the culture has gone nowadays. Very lackadaisical, no energy. It's hard to get behind a team like this, but the, the Verizon Center was quiet as anything. You could hear a pin drop in there against, and this is supposed to be their biggest game of the year. You know, last game of the regular season against your blood rival, like you said, and you put out a performance in which you get blown out by your rival and the biggest blowout they've suffered against Villanova since the 1949-1950 season. That's insane. And I know we're a Villanova podcast, so we should be praising Villanova for the play. And they played absolutely great, but Georgetown just gave up. They threw in the towel. No one had more than more than six points other than Rodney Pryor. Rodney Pryor had 21. No one else had more than six. Oh, I'm sorry. Jesse Govan had seven. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, yes. Ooh. Oh, one point. Oh, boy. Now, who knows? Maybe they get hot in the Big East tournament, and then they win the whole Big East tournament. But that I don't think so. I think they'll probably get smashed by St. John's because they just want to mail it in. Yeah, hot take. Should, should the Big East conspire to – have one of the bottom three teams win so that they can guarantee eight teams going to the NCAA tournament. That would be that would be bad. <laughs> that would be that would be the, the weirdest thing that I've ever seen. I mean, we, we thought it was weird when Providence won it all the first year of uh, the new Big East, and they were like, a, I, and I they feel they were like that's the most forgotten fact: the fact that Providence <laughs> beat Creighton to win the Big East tournament. <laughs> exactly. Like, and they beat a good Creighton team too on top of it. It was like so odd and weird. And But I, I feel like we were so removed from that tournament because of the loss to Seton Hall. We just kind of, whatever happened after the fact, we just kind of let go from our memories. Exactly. But going back to Georgetown Villanova, another thing to just drive the point home. Two guys, there were two guys on Villanova's roster who were potential Georgetown recruits mm-hmm. from the DMV area, their own backyard, Chris Jenkins, Josh Hart, snubbed. Snubbed by the Hoyas. Jenkins waited for a scholarship offer, was ready to go to Georgetown, but he never got that offer, so ended up going to Villanova instead. Josh Hart gets offered, but they don't accept his commitment. <laughs> so then he ends up going to Villanova. One becomes a national championship hero, the other is looking at Big East Player of the Year, potential national player of the year, and they just dropped, they just led the Wildcats in scoring, combining for 40 points 
on your team that's now falling off by the wayside. That's got to hurt if you're a Georgetown alum. Uh, yeah, I think it hurts even. Yeah, it definitely drives the dagger in even more. We we talked about this last time, I think, how just Josh Hart and Chris Jenkins just always go off against Georgetown, and we absolutely think it's because of the snubs. And here we are yet again talking about Chris Jenkins and Josh Hart going off against Georgetown. It's so automatic. I love it. And I think semi-hot take here, I think this performance from Josh Hart probably gets an award an award. I don't, I don't know about you. I'm not saying like, a, like oh, you know, you beat Georgetown. You put up 21 against Georgetown. Oh, you're <laughs> Wooden Award winner. I think this is going to be the one that kind of propels him to the Wooden Award because I think he's come Big East tournament time. I think he's just going to take off. That is a hard take that I, I don't think I'm going to touch that. I'm going to let you, I'm going <sighs> to let you cook. I'm going to let you cook. Okay. I'm going to let you cook. All right. Well, it's sitting there. It's, it's fresh off the griddle. It's hot. We had four Wildcats scoring double figures. Hart led the way with 21, Jenkins 19. Brunson added 17. Bridges had 12. On the Georgetown side, 20 turnovers. You're not going to win games when you're <laughs> giving up 20 turnovers. And also, after the game, Josh Hart was asked if there was anything special about playing Georgetown or coming back home to the D.C. area. And he just said, oh, it's just a regular game, man. <laughs> I don't know if I believe nah. that. I don't know if I believe that. It's just a regular game. Nah, it's not. It's just part of the attitude talk that they have going. I, I, don't, I don't believe that for one minute. Another good thing was that Villanova got to see, for the first time since God knows when, an eight-man rotation. Yeah, Dylan threw in nine minutes. Didn't score, but, you know, he played nine minutes, and that's all you can ask for because <laughs> we need fresh legs come this time. And obviously with the eight-man rotation means that Darrell Reynolds finally has come back, contributed seven rebounds, two assists, and even two steals, which you don't really see from a big guy. Didn't score, but honestly, that's fine. Just to have him back out there, get his game legs on their own, and he'll be ready for the Big East tournament in March. Man, this this is great to see. I'm glad he's okay. Definitely much-needed piece going in. You definitely want your size. You want your big man. You want your height. You're going to have a tough time if you don't have that big guy anchoring the paint. It's just not going to be fun. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, the regular season is over. The conference seating is locked in. The brackets are out. Have you taken a look at them? Yes, I have looked at the brackets, but I am deathly terrified of our potential semifinal matchup, assuming we beat St. John's or Georgetown. We have to play the winner of Seton Hall Marquette. Marquette we already lost to this year, and they're (sighs) playing very well. And Seton Hall, who we've beaten by 30, both games, but yet here I am saying I'm definitely <laughs> afraid of them because it's the Big East tournament and it's Seton Hall. Yeah, I, I remember the last time we destroyed Blue Seton Hall out of the water and then had to play them in the Big East tournament before the finals, and it did not go well. It no. did not go well. No, we got a uh, we got Sterling Gibbs. Yeah, it was a terrible way. It just ruined my lunch. It ruined the rest of the class. <laughs> Of the, during that day, I remember that day. I don't. I'll be honest. I think I skipped class after that because I was so sad. That's cute, man. That's cute. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that is not a joke at all. I had a break on Thursday, second semester, sophomore year, between like eleven thirty and like when was it? Eleven, like eleven thirty, like two thirty. So I it was. It actually worked out well because the game was at twelve, and I watched the whole game just by myself in my room because I was just. I didn't really have much going on. And yeah, I just got, I just face palmed <laughs> on my desk. <laughs> I had class during the second half of that game, or like a good chunk of the game, majority of the game, hour and a half class. Mm-hmm. And 
it was obvious. All the kids were on their laptops streaming it. I was streaming it. There were no la- like I, I sat in the back and there were no laptops that weren't trying to stream it. Mm-hmm. And after like five minutes of teaching, this professor is like, "Screw it! What? Where's the link so I can watch the cats?" But <laughs> pulls down the projector. We're watching it on the big screen, only to be let down at the end of class. And then I was like, "Nope, not gonna be able to do it. Not gonna be able to do it." <laughs> yeah, that was just a that was a rough day. But enough about the past. Let's not look back there. Let's kind of look at something a little more current in Milwaukee, in good old cold Milwaukee, in your second favorite state, probably third favorite, after New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Yes. The Big East tournament for the women's basketball was held at Marquette. Marquette got to host this year. Mm -hmm. And Villanova took on St. John's in the quarterfinals. They swept the Red Storm in the regular season. This time around, we saw a different result. Yeah, Villanova got a wallop. St. John's 56, Villanova 40. And as we were saying all year, this team relies on three-point shooting, and they needed to make three-pointers to even stand the chance against these better teams. And they went three of 22 from deep. And from the field, they were whopping 16 of 51. That is sleeping in the streets. That is why Villanova is going home early in the Big East tournament. And also, it's it's pretty hard to beat a team three times in a year. And I know St. John's was technically the five seed and Villanova was the four, but St. John's was heavily favored going into both games against Villanova and even in this game. I have to think that even though they are higher seeded, it, it's still you're going to have to still play a pretty good game to beat these guys. Pretty unfortunate that they just had to have one of the worst shooting nights of the year. What was tough was that both teams go in, tied at 23, going into the half, mm-hmm. come out in the third quarter, Villanova just looked overwhelmed. Yeah, They were outscored 21-6. to They shoot just 25% on the floor for that quarter. Meanwhile, St. John's is lights out 7 of 11. You put up 21 points in a quarter. That's a lot, especially when you can hold your opponent to just six. Not going to win many games like that. Villanova was just cold all game long from deep 3 of 22, 13.6%. No one on the team had more than one made three. Rattling off some numbers here, 0 of 5, 0 of 3, 1 for 6, 1 for 4. Right there, those numbers are from four of the five starting lineup. So if your starters aren't playing well, that means your bench is probably not going to be playing well. And as a result, they got blown out. I mean, I guess you can say, well, they'd be playing DePaul next, so it would be kind of tough for the next game anyway. But you'd like to see them at least sweep St. John's because, as we said before, St. John's was, I think, predicted third in the Big East in preseason. So, I mean, they were a good team, and it would have been a real nice stepping stone for Villanova going into next year to sweep one of the upper echelon teams in the Big East. St. John's was pretty good, and Villanova beat them twice this season. It would have been great to see them beat them a third time to bolster that postseason resume. Because right now, the record's a little shaky. Right now, they're 16-14, and 14, slightly above 500, which I feel like is a bare minimum to get to a postseason conversation. I'm not entirely sure of how the WNIT works or how the NIT works in general when it comes to selecting teams. Obviously, you go for the teams that just missed the cut at of 64, 68 schools. But for the women's tournament, I'm not exactly sure how they select who goes in, who goes out. And obviously, some schools decline the NIT. They don't choose. They don't opt to participate. But Villanova's been there the last couple of years. And like you said, you look at Villanova's stat lines. Their best performer came off the bench. No starter scored over seven points. Mary Gadaka had 12 points, seven rebounds, six of nine on the floor. She seemed to be the only one getting it going at all. But that's tough when 
you try to have one person single-handedly carry you out of the, such a big double-digit deficit. Yeah, yeah you, you can't just rely on one person for that. And it showed uh, what happens when you lean too much on one person. But I do want to go back to your NIT point. It is possible they can make the NIT. I mean, you don't know. The women's NIT, I want to point out, is actually 64 teams. It's just as big as regular tournament. I mean, anything's possible. Villanova is a mainstay in the NIT for the past few years, so maybe they'll give some credence to that and reward this team of victories of the, of the past and of this year to see how well they turned it around. Maybe they'll give some credence to that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. This isn't like the men's NIT where it's literally the first 32 teams that didn't make it and get thrown in. This this is just a smorgasbord of teams from like everywhere. The thing is, is if you look at Villanova, they made the NIT, I believe it was the 2011-2012 season, with just a 17-13 and 13 record. And, you know, it's just a one-game difference now. So I think they can make it. I would love to see them play some postseason basketball. I think they deserve to at least make the NIT. I love the way that they turned it around the second half of the season when they had that six-game win streak that really propelled them to above 500 in Biggie's play. They played pretty well in conference play. Turn it around after a rough non-conference stretch in which they were trying to find their identity, trying to find out where they were on the court, just how this team functioned, how this team gelled, went through the bumps and bruises, played very well towards the midway point, turned in, turned themselves around, really. And sure, they lost to DePaul. Sure, they lost to Creighton and Marquette. But those are some of the top teams around. Those teams are probably going to go to the NCAA tournament. They played tough, and I, I do think that they deserve at least an NIT bird. I'd have to agree with you on that. We'll certainly keep an eye out. I don't. I personally don't think this is the end of the season just yet, but we will see. We shall see. 64 teams in the NIT is a lot, and I feel like they, they have to get at least one of those berths. And also, postseason basketball would be, you know, that's an extra game, maybe even two, that you get to have with your team on the court. And this is a young team that doesn't have very many seniors, so a lot of – the core pieces will be back next season. The more time you guys get to work with to gel together, the better it is for the team, especially when you're looking ahead and building on what you've done this year. Right. That's actually a good point, and I, I wanted to bring that up myself. If they do get into the NIT, that is that is a postseason game. That is postseason experience, and that will definitely help this young team going down the road. And it, if they do make the NCAA next year, that'll They'll be like, oh, well, we were kind of here last year. We know what the postseason is like. Granted, it's kind of a different stage, but they know what it's like. They know what it's about. So, yeah, exactly. I think they just they need this postseason experience, and it would be great for everyone. We'll keep an eye out for Harry Preta and his girls and the women's basketball team. And when the field is announced in about a week or so, we'll keep an eye on the brackets. We'll keep an eye out on their season. Hopefully it extends. I really think it will personally. I hope I'm not wrong. You know, I'd like to see it keep on going. As we transition over to the men's side, before we talk about the, the men's Big East tournament, before we dial up our guests, I just wanted to talk about there were some awards handed out this past weekend, Chris. There were some accolades, some honors, mm-hmm. you know, some, some cool things to add on your resume, <laughs> certificates, plaques to put in the trophy case, little trophy. Okay, maybe they aren't little. Maybe they're not little. They're actually pretty big. It's actually a pretty big deal. It's a big deal. I would agree with that. So on Sunday, the Big East announced its all-conference teams. We saw first-team selections for Josh Hart and Jalen Brunson, an honorable mention for Chris Jenkins, and an all-freshman team selection for Dante DiVincenzo. Those four Wildcats are on the all-conference teams. 
for the 2016-2017 season. When you saw them and where they were placed, how did you feel about them and also the conference as a whole? All right, first of all, I want to make a point. Why are there six people on the teams? Uh, I thought it would be five. There's five, but if there's a tie for the fifth, they leave both of them on. Oh, so, so oh, wow. All right, I didn't know that. Okay, I guess that makes sense. But who uh, tied? Do we know who tied? Yeah, the, the two people who tied were Xavier's Trayvon Blewett and Butler's Andrew Shrabis. Brunson and Hart were both unanimous selections, so they were, in the, they, you know, they were in the clear. They were in the clear. How, how, how is Shrabis on the first team? I, I, I don't understand. Trayvon Blewett should just be left alone and not be in any sort of tie with Andrew Travis. Come on. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I mean, Travis is a good player. I'm not knocking him with that. He's he's very good, but he's not first team. Come on. Maybe you take off Bullock and put Travis down on second team, or at least have a tie for second team. I, I don't understand that, but this is Villanova podcast. So I want to talk about Villanova. Josh Hart, Jalen, unanimous, perfect. I have no problems with that, obviously. And Chris Jenkins is honorable mention. I get it. I don't think he should have been first or second team, but he did tweet out. I don't know if you saw this. He tweeted out the tweet the Big East said of him making the uh, honorable mentions, and he just put noted. And I think he actually did that with when someone else was giving him biz on Twitter, something about only playing in Europe. I think we talked about it a few, yes. a few weeks ago. Yes. So that gets me hyped because maybe he's focused and will actually come out like the old Chris Jenkins of old in, in March. So we'll see what happens with that. And Dante on the Big East freshman team. Yeah, I I like Dante much more. I do much more than I used to, especially at the beginning of this uh, podcast when we first started up. We weren't the biggest proponents of him, so I'm glad he got this honor. But I I, I don't I don't know how I feel about him, the all freshman team. I, I feel that. The five above him, Baldwin, Patton, Howard, Pons, Levette, they all kind of deserve it. And, uh, and I mean, Dante's good, but oh, I don't, I, I guess there's only so many freshmen in the league that I guess he kind of just made it on default. If I may note, Dante DiVincenzo tied with Marcus Howard. What? They were the only non unanimous selections. That I don't get. I'm sorry. No offense to Dante, but Marcus Howard pulls him out of the water. I, I don't even know. How is Marcus Howard not unanimous? I would have had him a, a, in front of everyone. Maybe not Patton, but definitely ahead of everyone else. In terms of Shrabis, I'm just going <laughs> to briefly touch to this. <laughs> he is not first team all Big East. I don't even think he's the best center in the league. I would put Justin Patton over him. I think he should have been at least maybe him and Patton switch spots. Okay. Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart, perfect. Perfect just the way that is. Yes. Chris Jenkins, honorable mention. It's a drop from where he was. I get it. I understand. Just like you said, he's shooting below 40% from the floor and from three-point range. His offensive efficiency rating, according to Kempom, is actually the lowest of his four-year career. And he had a little bit of a slump in the middle of conference play. So I, I get it. I do still think he's good, and I'm glad he at least got an honorable mention. I think if he got left off completely, there would have been a firestorm. But I, I understand. With Dante DiVincenzo... I'm a little torn. I feel like he does a lot defensively. I don't think his numbers are – they don't compare. This isn't even an opinion thing. You just look at the numbers, stack them up against the other five on that list. I know. They don't compare. Like, they they just don't. They don't at all. And I'm just like, like, I get it, but, like, I don't get it. (laughs) Like, he does good things, and he – his improvement throughout the year is impeccable. I honestly – 
I didn't expect it the way he was playing at the beginning of Big E's play. Like I thought he was a lost cause for for most of the season. But I don't think he deserves to be on that. I don't know. I, I I can't. I can't anymore. I can't. <laughs> it's I'm at a loss for words because I I don't know how to phrase it. It's like it's so. It's so fifty-fifty. I, I I can't can't make like my bias says. Yeah, put him on. I don't care. He's he's Villanova. Villanova deserves all the awards for everything. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's Villanova. But at the same time, it's like it's not like he robbed anyone of a spot, right? Like, can you name another no. freshman out there? No. So like, I guess I guess that's okay. Isn't this isn't like a, an egregious f up by the coaches? No, of course no. I, I I would agree. That's actually a good point to bring up. I would say that this is the best six freshmen. The Big East has to offer, yeah. and I think the drop off from six to seven is very big. So I, you know, I would, <laughs> I would understand including all of them. Now that you put yeah. it like that, I get it. I guess, yeah. But yeah. Marcus Howard, Marcus Howard shouldn't be tied with him, is what I'm trying to get. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think Marcus Howard, the he shot over fifty percent from deep for like the longest time, scoring machine. He's only like five eleven, hanging with the big boys. Mm-hmm. Shamori Pons, Marcus Lovett, the best backcourt tandem of youngsters that the Biggies has to offer, and both are put up great numbers, carried St. John's mm-hmm. to being somewhat respectable. They they were in the basement for a while, and then they decided midway through conference play, like, no, we're better than this. <laughs> Kamal yeah. Baldwin killed Nova. <laughs> he did. And he's a pest off the bench. He's great. He's I good. think he's a – and he's really good defensively too. He is. Justin Patton, no questions. Right. But you know what? Now that you put it like that, Chris, I don't really have that many problems with it anymore because this is actually the best six and seven. Whoever's in seventh doesn't even come close. Right. I just don't understand how Dante ties with Marcus Howard. Jesus. That's something I just can't wrap my head around. That was on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Yesterday afternoon, right around lunchtime, the Big East announced some more awards. They announced the Big East Defensive Player of the Year, the Big East Sixth Man of the Year, the Most Improved Player, and the Sportsmanship Award. And for the first time ever in Big East history, three players are sharing the Defensive Player of the Year award, and that'll be Josh Hart, Mikhail Bridges, and Kyrie Thomas. Go. I don't know how there's a three-way tie. There's there's someone abstaining from the vote. There's someone someone else must have got a vote. To be honest with you, I don't get Josh Hart there. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't get it. I understand how great of a player he is. We watched him for four years, and he's a great player, and he's a great defensive player, but I don't think he deserves the title over Bridges and Thomas. I don't get it. I, I think you should have gave it to either Bridges or Thomas, and if you had to split it, but like I don't like split titles, especially three-way split That's a yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, can't you just flip a coin at that point? I mean, come on. And I, is there like, can't the commissioner like submit a vote to like overrule everyone? Like, do that? Like, <laughs> Executive uh, order. Yeah, exactly. Please. I mean, Val. Val. <laughs> yeah, Val. Here, here's your ballot. But I'm not, I don't fill out ballots. <laughs> well, here, here's ba- here's a ballot. So I guess, I guess, like, all right. I'm I'm glad Josh got it. And I'm glad Bridges got it. But it should have been between Bridges and Thomas and Heck. I might have even gave it to Thomas because we were lauding his defensive play just the last game Villanova played against Creighton. And I think he did a lot of heavy work once Watson went down. So I mean, I, I feel like he should have been the rightful owner of that, to be honest with you. For one of the newspapers I, I write for, they asked me to pick a player of the year for the local college and also high school level. Mm-hmm. And I'm torn between two people. But if there's one thing I despise, 
and I and I'm holding myself to the standard because I hate it, or I shouldn't say hate, but I don't like it when committees do this. It's co, it's the co-players of the year. You know what I mean? Like you can yeah. pick one, just yeah. pick one. But when you have three, that's a that's just obscene. How 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 <laughs> how did you guys let this happen? I mean, really? Like, come on. I I think Bridges is fantastic defensively. He's got the third most steals in the league. He's up there in the top ten for steal rate according to Ken Palm in the conference. He's you know wingspan. He's got like what ten foot ten foot wingspan at least twelve growing Inspector Gadget <laughs> go go gadget arms. <laughs> Josh Hart. He's pretty good. You know he's I think he's a great all around player. But I feel like if anything, they should have split it between Thomas and Bridges. But here's a conspiracy theory for you. Oh, what man. if this is all just the quote unquote consolation prize because someone else is going to get Big E's Player of the Year? Oof. I don't like it. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, all right, I can get, I can get behind that actually, but I feel like they would have just gave it to him outright then. I don't think some coaches would have been compensating for defensive player of the year because of that. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, well, do, you, do you believe it? I don't know. I'm just a man with crazy ideas. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was going to actually ask you who, who you want. Not who you want, but who you think is going to win Big East player of the year. And so I, I guess that kind of feeds into that. Who do you think is going to win Big East player of the year? <laughs> it's For me personally, it's between Josh Hart and Angel Delgado. If yes, neither sir. of those names appear on Wednesday, when they announce who gets Big East player of the year, I will be very disappointed. <laughs> I do think Josh Hart should get it, but it, what Angel Delgado should not be, what he's doing should not be ignored. The man is a double-double machine. Mm-hmm. The numbers he's putting up is insane. He's the top rebounder in the country. Yeah. And he's averaging well into double figures in scoring too. And he's single-handedly anchor of the paint for Seton Hall. I do feel, though, that maybe if Seton Hall was a much better team with a much better record, then I feel like the case for him being Big East Player of the Year is certainly comparable to Hart. But I feel like at the end of the day, we'll go to Josh Hart, not only for what he's done individually, but also what he's helped lead Villanova to do another big East regular season title four straight. Yeah. That, that I have the same sentiments with you on that. I, I, I feel it, it should go to Josh, but you don't, you just don't know. I mean, just look at last uh, two years ago, we all thought Hilliard was going to win and that didn't end up happening. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, but Delgado, if, if Delgado gets it over Josh Hart, I would not be upset, even though as I, I despise Delgado and Seton Hall and everything they stand for. I will not be upset because he's a good player. There's no denying that. He's a dominant player. <laughs> and he's kept Seton Hall afloat, and it will probably get them into the tournament. In regards to the Darren Hiller not getting biggest player of the year, that is a conversation that I will gladly have with anyone <laughs> off air, over Twitter, or wherever. And I will tell you, while I understand where the biggest was coming from, I completely disagree with the choice. <laughs> I thought he split with Hilliard. No, no, he didn't. He Hilliard didn't even touch it. Oh, <laughs> do I just have like revisionist history in my head? Just yes. like just just trying to <laughs> repress the bad memory. <laughs> Some other Big East awards aside from Defensive Player of the Year, Sixth Man of the Year went to Andrew Rousey of Marquette. Wow. 
Most Improved Player went to Kyron Cartwright of Providence. And the Sportsmanship Award went to Billy Garrett Jr. of good old DePaul Blue Demons for putting up with the four years of pain, sweat, tears, and trials and tribulations. Yeah, a, a lot of tears, I'm assuming, there. A lot of tears. And, yeah, that, that is the uh, Lifetime Achievement Award. Congrats to Billy Garrett Jr. on that. I was not expecting Rousey to win Sixth Man of the Year, but then again, I don't know of any Sixth Man who could have potentially competed with that. Maybe Eastman, but I don't know if he started enough. Did he start, like, too much? <laughs> uh, that's a good question, actually. Yeah, because I was thinking about maybe Keith and Savage or Kamal Baldwin over mm-hmm. at Butler, but then they kind of dipped in the starting lineup, too. So, right. I, yeah, maybe that's why they were ineligible. Maybe after, like, a certain amount of starts, you're, you can't qualify for the award anymore. But I do, I do like Rousey. I do think he's pretty good for Marquette. He is a sharpshooter who can score a ton. I mean, he put up over 1,200 points at UNC Asheville in just two seasons. That's crazy. He can shoot. He can drive. He's not afraid of rumble in contact. I like it. You know, no one else is coming to my mind right now. No, I can't, I can't think of one person either. I, I think a better comparison for him would be Steve Novak going off the Marquette theme there. Okay, well, Steve Novak didn't even play defense. Steve Novak couldn't even handle the ball. The second okay. he dribbled the ball, I'm sure he was in trouble. Okay, all right, all right, fine. All right, offensively, you Steve Novak. <laughs> all right, fine. I'm sorry I suggested that. Steve Novak, you're a power forward. Do you even know how to post up? <laughs> yeah, that was technically his position. God, he was he was just literally the epitome of just stand behind three-point line, we'll give you the ball every now and then. And he made millions of dollars doing it. What a life. Makes me wonder why Ethan Raggy couldn't do that. You know, you know, honestly, I think about that sometimes. <laughs> I don't understand how he couldn't get a job anywhere. You know what the difference was? Unfortunately for him, he got injured after, you know, he, he graduated. So I don't know if that kind of thwarted his whole summer league or NBA team tryout stuff. Right. But that's such a shame. Like, he, you know, if Steve Novak can do it, uh, that guy from – few years back, what was the name? Jason Capono. He was like another oh, three-point specialist. Whoa, what a throwback. Great name. <laughs> but yeah, those guys could get careers, cash and checks in the NBA for just shooting threes and doing nothing else. I don't understand why Ethan Raggy couldn't do it. He did have a good shot, so who knows? There will be more awards announced tomorrow. Just before the game start, the opening round game start of the Big East tournament, we'll be keeping an eye out on that. Right now, congratulations. To Mikhail Bridges, Josh Hart, Dante DiVincenzo, Jalen Brunson. And I'll say congratulations to Chris Jenkins, even though he's probably upset with just getting – probably feels a little snubbed right now. I don't even think he – you know, it's kind of like when you won something but you don't want it. You don't want it, people, to congratulate right. you on that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, before we get deeper into this chat, we can't do it without our esteemed guests, and we're really excited to have her on the air. It kind of happened as like a shot in the dark on Twitter, and I'm glad it worked out. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can get this going again, Chris. Let's let's get let's dial up the phone. Let's see if we can get this working. So as promised, we're gonna have a guest today join us, and we are thankful to have Kim Adams, a Big East correspondent, join us today here on State of the Nova Nation. Kim, how's your day going? My day is good so far. Uh, thank you, Eugene and Chris, for having me on. I'm 
always excited to talk Big East hoops with anybody. So especially as we're getting closer to the tournament, really looking forward to it next week. So you just finished with your Big East trophy tour. How was that? How was it like visiting all 10 campuses? Yeah, the Big East uh, trophy tour was pretty incredible. So the Big East started it kind of as a a promotion for the 35th year of the tournament at Madison Square Garden. So I got to go to a game at every school and it was just, it was so fun for me because I'd been covering the Big East for, this is my third season now, but I had never really been able to get out to the schools in the Midwest. Um, I'm from New York, so I'd been to games at, all the schools on the East Coast, um, but had kind of, you know, gotten, had made friends with Twitter people and fans, and they were always asking me, when are you coming to, to Butler or Xavier or Creighton? Um, so I finally was able to make it out there, and it was just amazing. I mean, most of the games ended up being some of the best games of the season. Pretty much all of them came down to the wire, Um I'm pretty sure it kind of became the running joke. Like if we were there with the trophy, it was guaranteed that it was going to be a great game. Um, So it was so cool just to finally see all the venues and every venue is so different in the big East. It's like really hard to even rank them when people would say like, Oh, what's been your favorite venue? Cause you have, you know, a place like the CenturyLink center where you feel like you're kind of at an NBA game. It's 18,000 people sold out. And then you have a place like Hinkle Fieldhouse, which is so historic and kind of reminded me of where I played in college at the Palestra, like just two very historic venues. So it was just so cool to finally see the venues, see some great games, talk with a lot of fans who are so passionate about their teams. It'll be great to wrap it up next week or this week at the Garden. Yeah, it seems like they knew whenever you were coming into town, they, they were like, oh, let's make it a good show. Let's make it a great <laughs> show for kids. I know you said it's hard to rank the different environments, the different arenas. Who's your favorite mascot? Can you at least give the fans of that? Ooh, favorite mascot. Um... I'll tell you who's not my favorite mascot first. That is Friar Dom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he just, like he's a great great guy, but I just it's he's always been a little scary to me. And I'll, sh- I'll shout out my my good friend Kaylee Griffin, a, a Providence alum, because she loves Friar Dom. Oh, he just he always freaks me out a little bit. Um, I mean. Is it is it Trip from Butler? I mean, he's a, he's a live mascot. He came and visited the trophy on the trophy tour. Butler Blue the third. I think I may, I may have to go with him. He's just oh, he's so great. I met him. He he stood up on the table, took a picture with the trophy. Um, I think I got to give it to Butler Blue the third. See, Eugene wanted uh, a specific answer because he has an infatuation <laughs> with the blue blob. Now, I, I, know, blue blob. I, I know Blue Blob's the unofficial mascot, but still. Blue Blob, I'm trying to think if I, I don't know if I've ever formally met the Blue Blob. Um, but <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, yeah, I guess it's interesting. He is the unofficial mascot. The Xavier fans last tournament gave me a Blue Blob hat, a winter hat of the Blue oh, Blob. So. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. Oh, man. That's fantastic. Eugene, you got to get on that. You got to buy one. <laughs> so the Big East regular season wrapped up this past weekend. The tournament brackets are out. What's your overall reaction to the seeding and where various teams are right now going into the tournament? Yeah, 
I think it's how it unfolded is just crazy with how like how much those middle of the pack seeds were able to change looking at the bracket right now I think it's crazy that Creighton could have could have been as high as number three and then it looked like they were going to be playing in that four or five game and then when Seton Hall beat Butler it bumped them down to the sixth seed so I mean I guess they're still in that three six game just as the number six seed but I like the tournament is is going to be crazy like I could really see six teams that could make the championship. There's just so many teams playing very well right now. I think a lot of it is going to come down to individual matchups. But I mean, you look at Providence. I mean, I think that's kind of the biggest story of, of the seeding and the brackets is how they were picked ninth in the preseason. They they weren't looking very good early on in Big East play. And then I think it's they've won their last six games and have just knocked off a bunch of the top teams and somehow got the number three seed. So I think that's kind of the biggest story. Marquette, I think, is playing really well right now. I think they're such a dangerous team with how they can shoot the ball on any given night and how many people they have that can shoot the ball well. So I think the bracket is just really interesting. I think once you get to the quarterfinals, anyone can win those four games. Uh, I know this is a Nova podcast. I think that they'll roll to the semifinals. But um, any of those other other three quarterfinal games are going to be really good games. And I think anybody could win those quarterfinal games. So it's just with how many teams that are playing well right now, I mean, Seton Hall going into Butler and knocking them off on their senior night, that was crazy. So I, it's just going to be so interesting. I, I honestly have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> so Kim, you, you brought up a good point with Providence, how you know pred- predicted to finish ninth in the beginning of the year, finish third. So I want to ask you, what do you think was more of a surprise? Would it, would it be Providence jumping from nine to three? Or would you say it's the fall of Xavier, just the absolute collapse that happened post Sumner injury and the fact they were predicted to finish second in the Big East and even reserve the, receive the first place vote? I think Providence is a little more surprising, to be honest. I, I definitely think Xavier was hit extremely hard with the Edmund Sumner, Sumner injury. Um you know, I think I think what a lot of people didn't realize coming into the season with Xavier was how much of an impact Jalen Reynolds and James Farr had last year and, and what a big loss that was going to be. Obviously, you have Fluitt, you have Sumner, you have Makira, and kind of the question all along for them this season was who else is going to step up? And they've had some people do that, but I don't think people realize just how how good those two were last year for them and how it kind of added to their overall depth and strength at every single position on the floor. So they have that exceptional backcourt uh, of those three guys we named, but then when Sumner goes down, I think just from my experience as a player, the hardest position to replace is point guard because everyone on the floor is comfortable with a point guard. When your point guard goes down, you kind of lose that comfortability and you just you don't have the same flow on offense. So, I mean, I think that injury just really hit them hard. And they've just kind of been trying to find, you know, a a sort of flow on offense and and trying to find their shooters. So, I mean, but they're still a dangerous team once they get into the tournament. I mean, we've seen Trayvon Blewett go off a few times this season. I think it was 40 points against Cincinnati. Anytime you have a player that can just 
go off like that, you you can win a, a tournament game in a winner go home situation. So yeah, I mean, I think they were hit hard, but they're they're dangerous. They're still dangerous. But yeah, Providence. I mean, I think they've been the biggest surprise in the Big East. You lose two NBA draft picks a top five NBA draft pick and Chris Dunn and everyone had kind of written them off. Uh, I think it's just such a testament to coach Cooley just from my trophy tour game with him, actually where they had us sitting during the game was right behind the bench and coaches the entire time to the players on the bench, everything that's going on, he's breaking it down to the players on the bench, even if they're not going to get in the game. So I think I've seen him coach for a long time now because dad is a, a men's basketball official and, Reft him a ton when he was at Fairfield in the MAC. So I went to a bunch of their games, and um, he's just such a good coach, a good teacher. And I mean, you take that group on paper, you don't think that they would be that good in the Big East, but what he's been able to do with them and, and kind of adapt to their strengths and their their weaknesses. I mean, that's the sign of a good coach is making the best of what you have. What he's been able to do with that team is incredible. Um, And they are certainly going to have a lot of momentum coming into the garden and a team that not too many other people want to see right now. Yeah, I personally think Villanova is fortunate to have Providence on the other side of the bracket because for a while they're on that 4-5 game. And I thought that they would put Villanova on upset alert and probably knock them off in the semis. So I think the Cats should be glad to not see them with that momentum they're coming in with. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting because I actually, I was curious and I asked this question on my Twitter and I said, who is the team that as a fan that you wouldn't want to see right now? And the amount of varied responses I got is, were was incredible. I mean, I got Villanova, Butler, Creighton, Marquette, Providence, St. John's, um, pretty much every team seated like one through eight was named multiple times. And I think that just shows how the depth of this conference, and I don't think I mentioned Seton Hall. Seton Hall was named too. But I was just kind of like amazed seeing how many different teams people are afraid of. And I think it really comes down to the matchup. So, you know, Butler fans are terrified of Creighton because Creighton crushed them twice, but then Villanova lost to Butler twice. So it's just, it's crazy just kind of how the season unfolded, how the matchups work with different teams. Um, I think Creighton lucked out actually by Seton Hall winning that game because I don't think they want to face Marquette again. They've gotten beat pretty badly by Marquette, including yesterday. So if they had been in that four or five game with them, I don't think they would have been looking forward to that. But unfortunately, the the reward is having to face Providence, who I think is a better matchup for them, but they are playing as well as anyone in the conference. So the way just the seedings have worked out, there's no easy game. It's just, it's, it's, I don't, it's just insane. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it really speaks to the versatility of this conference. And if you're looking at bracketology from uh, Joe Lenardi, he currently has seven Big East teams in, which is just crazy to think about. That's 70% of the conference. And, you know, for so much flack that this conference got uh, ever since realignment, it's it's kind of crazy to think that we could potentially send seven teams in with, you know, some of them lower end, like you got Seton Hall, Marquette, Providence as like last four in or whatever. But if they make some noise in the Big East tournament, they can potentially roll into the NCAA tournament with that. Yeah, I, I definitely think those seven teams uh, deserve to be in. I think um, the... 
team that's been slipping a little bit is Xavier. I think, yeah, he has them as their last, his last four in. Yeah. Um, I think, thank God they won that game against DePaul. So <laughs> yeah, that would have been a death sentence. Been out. But yeah, I mean, I think those seven teams are deserving of being in. I think I saw an article yesterday, I think someone at CBS said kind of the games broke perfectly for the Big East case to get seven teams in. Um, Cause Seton Hall, you know, could have used one more boost. Obviously Butler's going to be in, but mm-hmm. the signature win for Seton Hall helped their case. Providence, you know, kind of on the bubble, got another big win. Uh, Marquette got another big win. Um, so I, I personally think all seven of those teams deserve to be in. Um, I think any of those seven teams could win a first round game. Um, it's yeah. And then you just think 70% of the conference is just incredible. I think, you know, last year we had a lot of good individual players. We obviously had Villanova win the national championship. They were just a well, well well-rounded team. But I think this year's Big East, you're seeing better teams. Um, just uh, the depth of the conference is stronger this year. Uh, maybe you don't have the top five draft pick in Chris Dunn, but you have seven really good teams, seven, eight really good teams um, that battled all throughout conference play and beat up on each other. And I think the the games that the battle that you face in conference play is really going to help come tournament time. I mean, these teams are used to going down to the wire multiple games a year. They're, they're used to facing really tough competition. Um, So I think seven teams deserve to be in and seven of those teams can win a first round game and, and move on. And then I think obviously a a few teams are, are uh, suited for a, a deep run in March. Like we had last year. I saw, um, I think, I believe it was team ranking. They had Villanova as a 47% chance to win the Big East tournament. My first question to you is, do you take Nova or do you take the field? What does Villanova need to do to get back to the Big East tournament final? And what should they watch out for? The thing with Villanova, first of all, what they've done this year with such a limited rotation continues to amaze me. Um, They've really been playing seven guys all season. Uh, with the injury to Phil Booth. And even in the the past few games, they were really going with six guys without Daryl Reynolds. So first of all, that has just amazed me. I I do think, I mean, it's hard. (laughs) It's just, it's hard to say with the two Butler losses. Like I think on, on paper, they should be the best team. They should get back to the Big East championship. I think they have the intangibles, the experience, the leadership. They're a team that, that very rarely makes mistakes in late game. Coach Wright, obviously just an amazing coach, but they're a team that that very seldomly beats themselves. You really have to beat them. Looking at the bracket, I mean, I think if they if they face Marquette again, I don't think any team in the field wants to see Marquette right now. Um, not assuming that, you know, Marquette is going to beat Seton Hall, but Marquette is shooting as well as anyone or, or better than anyone in the country right now. And that's a real danger when you get into a winner go home situation. Um, uh, on the opposite side, if you, if you are a team that relies so heavily on the three, your three might not be on that day. And do you have other ways to score? Um, so I think if, if Villanova meets uh, Marquette in the semifinals, that's going to be a really tough test for them 
just because of how well they can shoot the ball. If they do get to the championship, we're looking on the other side of the bracket. I mean, this is what's so crazy. I could see I could see Butler in the championship game. I could see Providence. I could see Creighton. So I think, you know, we saw last year, everyone kind of assumed Nova would roll to the title and then Seton Hall kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, so I think a lot of it will come down to defense and, and shutting down key players. And if you're playing a team like Marquette, being disciplined about defending the three-point line. But I think they just the, – the Nova players are so – kind of mature, experienced. Um, I think Jalen Brunson has had an incredible season uh, running the point, scoring, kind of doing everything. So I, th- I think for them, a lot of it will just come down to execution on the defensive end because the, uh, offensively they're so poised and obviously Josh Hart can kind of take over a game when he decides to. So I think it's just going to be matchups and hoping a team that they're playing doesn't get too hot and really just locking down defensively because because like I said offensively they're they're tough to stop they're disciplined they make the right decisions um, they have people who can take over games break down defenses so yeah for Nova it's it's going to come down to kind of stopping so many of these teams have great momentum right now heading into the tournament and just kind of putting a stop to that momentum when they step on the floor yeah Kim you brought up uh, Josh Hart you know he was the consensus Big East player of the year going in. So kind of building off that, do you see him being the Big East player of the year or do you think Angel Delgado has a good case? Also, who do you think should be coach of the year? Do you think it should be should it be Jay again or should it be uh, Holtzman, a Butler, who's at, provided a great spark over there? Yeah, um, for player of the year, I, I do think it should go to Josh um, just in terms of ha- in how many ways he affects the game. Um he really does everything on the floor. If you look at his numbers, his assists are way up from last year, this year. He's become more of a playmaker um, in addition to scoring and rebounding. I think he just – he and and just how well Nova has done this year adds to his case. I think he really is is the most valuable player in the conference – but yeah, I mean, it's then it's hard to you look at Angel Delgado. Um, he's had twenty three double doubles in his last twenty four games. Uh, that's just an unbelievable stat. I, I think he definitely deserves to be on the Big East first team. But the the player who I honestly thought could challenge Josh Hart the most for the award was his own teammate Jalen Brunson. I've just been so impressed by him. He's elevated his game so much and. When you watch him, you forget that he's only a sophomore. He's just so mature and so poised at all times. He's maybe impressed me more than any other player in the conference this year. But I, I do think Josh is deserving of the award as a senior. But look out for Jalen Brunson next year. And then coach of the year is just such a crazy debate. I mean, it could be Coach Wright. It could be Coach Holtman. They have top 10 wins this year. Nova. Indiana, Arizona, and then Providence. I mean, you take the body of work of what he's done with that group after losing so much. I think those those three are kind of the final contenders. I honestly don't know who you give it to, which is why I'm glad I'm not voting <laughs> because I've seen so many different takes on it. I, I might give it to, to Coach Holtman. No offense to anyone else, but... I mean, they they were a team, too, who lost so much 
everyone, you know, I didn't think they were going to be nearly as good as they are. They brought in a bunch of, of transfers. They've made it all work. Uh, the freshman, Kamar Baldwin, has been one of the most exciting players to watch. I might go with Coach Holtman, to be honest. Yeah, I know Chris loves himself some Jalen Brunson. You I love, love Jalen Brunson. <laughs> he is so good. <laughs> How can you not love him? It's just amazing watching him. Oh, boy. So this might be a bit of a tough one. The field is pretty wide open. But just looking at the bracket, who do you have advancing to the semis? And who do you have winning it? Uh, I don't I don't know if I can make a prediction on who I think is going to win at this time. Uh, really? <laughs> semifinals. Uh, gosh. I'm going to go with... Villanova Marquette in the top half of the bracket and Creighton Butler on the bottom half. And an interesting point is Butler has never won a Big East tournament game. They've been in the Big East for three years. They've lost in the first round every game or every year. I think this is going to be the year they finally get a Big East tournament win. Oh God, it just gets, it gets so tricky. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to make a prediction further than that at this point. But I'm going to say Villanova, Marquette, Butler, Creighton in the semis. Okay. Uh, All right. All can right. you give us a give us the case for why each of those four teams could win? Villanova can win because they have the experience. They have two Player of the Year candidates, as I said, and Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart. And kind of like I was saying before, they're just a team that doesn't really make mistakes. They're anytime they're on the ropes, they're so calm, they know how to respond. Marquette can advance to the championship because of how well they can flat out shoot. But like I said before, is their shot going to be on that night? Is it going to be off? If it's on, they can be in the Big East championship game. Butler, I mean, we've seen them knock off Villanova twice this season. Um, I think they're just a really smart team. They execute really well on both ends. Um, but then again, we've we've seen them have some bad losses. Um, they, they lost to DePaul. They almost lost to St. John's. Uh, Seton Hall beat them at Hinkley the other day. Um, but when they're on, they are disciplined. Uh, I think Kamar Baldwin can really impact the game as just a freshman. And then Creighton, another team who was really hit hard by an injury to Maurice Watson, but Marcus Foster has been turning it up another level. He can go out and get 30 anytime he wants. Uh, Justin Patton, he can, he's just so different and so talented. But then again, it's like, I don't want to count out Providence either because <laughs> they could be in the semis as well. It's, I think it just shows literally five or six teams could be in the championship game. Uh, you know, this is definitely a tough, a tough Big East to decide. It's not really clear cut. Yeah, Eugene, what do you, what do you have? Uh, oh, man. <laughs> Tables turned on me. Yeah. Um, I have Villanova going to the semis. Marquette over Seton Hall. Mm-hmm. Butler is going to advance. I actually have Providence beating Creighton. And I don't. I know everyone says Villanova Butler in the final, or that seems to be like a hot pick, but I actually think Villanova loses in the semis. Really? And I think Butler will win it all. I have Butler winning it. Butler advances, wins, beats Marquette, and we call it the Biggie Tournament. 
Yeah. I, I, do you have? I actually have the exact same results. I have Villanova, Marquette, Butler, Providence, and then Butler beating Marquette in the final. I, I think Marquette's playing too well right now to to not to not get to the final. I don't know. Well, it's interesting because you say Butler Providence. I think if it is Butler Providence, Butler is a good chance. But Butler has really struggled with Creighton, so yeah. I think a lot of it comes down to who wins that game. Right? Or has has really struggled with Creighton. One of the games was with Maurice, and one was without. I was at both of those games as part of the trophy tour. So, like like we kind of been saying, I think a lot of it comes down to matchups. I think if it is Providence, Butler has has a, a better – the matchup is more in their favor there than if they have to face Creighton again. So it's going to be interesting. I don't – it's it's just insane just trying to wrap your head around all of it. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of rock, paper, scissors type deal with the Big East teams. You know, one team can smash another and then lose to a completely different team. It's just so weird how it's worked out like that. Yeah, it's been – it's just so I, – the word I used yesterday, it was unpredictable. I mean, I never have thought Seton Hall would have gone into Butler on their senior day and beaten them at Hinkle. That was crazy. Okay, Kim. So let's take a step back from the Big East a little bit, and let's let's go overall. NCAA tournament, March Madness. Joe Lenardi right now currently has Villanova as the number one seed in the East. And barring an absolute collapse in the Big East tournament, that should probably happen. But if you look under that pod – there is a certain team currently as the number eight seed, and that would be Northwestern. And as I've read that you are a Northwestern graduate school grad, um, if Northwestern were to win that 8-9 matchup and if Villanova wins their 1-16 matchup, who would you root for? I would definitely root for Villanova. Um, I'm definitely – I was only at Northwestern for one year, so I I can't say I'm like fully invested in Northwestern athletics. I'm definitely much more passionate towards the Big East. I've just I grew up with the Big East because I mentioned before my dad's an official and he was an official in the Big East for ten years. So that's honestly where I started to love basketball, going to all of his games. Um, so I grew up with the Big East. I've been covering it for the last three years. Everyone who knows me knows I love Big East hoops. Um, so if it came down to, to uh, Villanova Northwestern, I'd be all in Nova Nation. It, it is a great, it's a great story. I mean, the year I was there at Northwestern was Coach Chris Collins' first season, and I was able to meet him and his dad, Doug Collins, actually, who was there for a speaking event. So yeah, I mean, I'm so happy for them. It's gonna. It's just hard to think that a team has never actually been to the NCAA tournament that plays in a major conference. So I'm I'm happy for them. I hope they get in. I hope they don't face Villanova or Big East team and win a few games. But if it came down to Big East versus Northwestern, I'm I'm Team Big East for sure. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm assuming you'll be at the Big East tournament this year. Yes, I will be there um, starting on the second day, Thursday. I have working a few other conference tournaments next week, uh, actually doing the the first ever Ivy League uh, tournament. Right after the Big East tournament, I'll be doing the women's championship game at Penn where I played at, at the Palestra, so that I'm really excited for that. But I'll be hopping around to a few different conference tournaments, but as of now, I will be at the Big East tournament Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Cool. I covered the last two tournaments over at Madison Square Garden. 
This year we're going to have Kayla Smith reporting for ViewBenchMob.com. So certainly everyone keep an eye out for Kim and Kayla. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation podcast and subscribing on iTunes. Kim, where can we find you on social media? Uh, most So the biggest thing for Big East coverage is my Twitter account, which is, let me make sure I get it right. I have such a common name, Kim Adams, that I always have to get fancy with like underscores and numbers. Um, so my, my Twitter handle is Kim underscore Adams one. So yeah, that's mostly where I'm always discussing Big East hoops. Got, got the good conversation going last night about which team you wouldn't want to face. So that's a good discussion if you guys want to check that out. And you know where to find us, at View Bench Mob, or you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at Repay 5 And you can follow me, Chris Stanzial, at The Stance Man on Twitter. Kim, thanks again so much for joining us. Yes, thanks, Kim. Thank you for having me. This was really fun, and look forward to seeing your coverage throughout the tournament. Nova Nation, happy Tuesday. Have a great day. And I hope you all get your train tickets to MSG in order. Also, keep an eye out for the yearly tradition in which I post my giant comprehensive, complete Big East tournament primer filled with analysis, previews, predictions, and everything. And I mean everything you need to know (laughs) about the Big East tournament. Always post it the Tuesday before the start of the Big East tournament. So keep an eye out for it tonight. Yeah, I'm glad your manifesto on the Big East is making its return. And last year it was basically no sure you went full no Shadamus mode predicting the Big East tournament to the every exact game correctly. It was crazy. I got every single one except I called Butler beating Providence, but Providence beat Butler, but everything else was perfectly correct. You nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. And you nailed the Seton Hall pick too, which was just like saying that if they got to Nova, they would probably win because just because it's Seton Hall. <laughs> they were hot last year. And who knows? You know, I know I said some things when we were talking, but maybe some things might change from this morning to when that post is published. So keep an eye out. Have a happy Tuesday, Nova Nation, and we'll catch you back on Thursday.